What is up, everybody? This is Doug Anderson with Riley O'Brien, Justin Treese, Austin Cunningham. Today, we're going to be talking some football. We're going to just be really going over everything going on in the league right now, getting ready for the draft, which is just happening so soon, which is amazing. We're all stoked for. I'm going to be in and out of this episode a little bit, though. I just got some things going on. Going to dip a little early tonight, but don't worry. Still got the best voices around. Um, One of the things that is also interesting with this draft is just the QB situations, whether or not Kyler's going to go first overall, what quarterbacks are going to be a reach for in the first round. But one thing that I'm just really like kind of curious about is what's going on with uh, good old Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins, like where's he going to go? What's going to happen to him? So uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't see him over Kyler or second to Kyler. I'm kind of getting to a point where I have Drew Locke over him, and that's just due to the fact that... What? Yeah, the reason I have Drew Locke over Haskins is due to the fact that it was his footwork. So that led to his inaccuracy and also led to his decisions going south very quickly because he trusted his arm more than anything, and that's what led him to multiple interceptions a game. So once he gets his footwork settled in, I think he'll be good. He has more experience than Haskins. And I honestly, I've said this before here, and I'll say it again. I think Haskins' success is because of the scheme at Ohio State and the amount of athletes that he has around him. I mean, they have two receivers right now heading into the draft, both top good guys. They're running back this year, or the previous running back. You know, he's going to be a good prospect heading into this next season. So you just look at it up and down the board. I mean, that's just talent all the way around him. You look at Locke, there's really not that much. He had a decent running back. You know, he had some wide receivers. But no one like what you're going to have at Ohio State, and the same with the coaching. So that's kind of why I have Locke over him. And mainly that will code and go into this, and I think we'll touch up on more into it into the episode here today, is I think Locke ultimately gets drafted before Haskins as well. This is something Austin and I disagree with completely. Uh, my, my big board came out yesterday and I have, I have Haskins at, I think number 10 right now. Um, and I think he's awesome. I think that it's not scheme. I think that he can make every throw. I think that he's very intelligent and I think it's not, it's not a mistake that he was hitting 70, 71%, um, all of last year. And I don't think that that's only scheme related. I think that, Locke does not progress well through his reads. I think he forces things. I have gone through the whole we can we can uh, fix their footwork and we can give him you know have to fix the way he throws, but same thing, fix the way his footwork is. Like we can we can fix that and we're going to be good. I just don't see it happening. And I think that the moment he starts getting pressure, he's going to go back to old habits, and we're going to see the Drew Locke that we saw at Missouri. Um, if we were ranking them, I would have Haskins, um, tied for third in last year's draft. I would have, um, last year I did have Darnold number one. I did have Rosen number two. And then I had, I would have basically the same grade as Baker Mayfield with Haskins. So talking about, uh, these prospects, let's talk about a guy that's currently in the league. What the hell is going on with Russell Wilson? Who knows, dude? There was supposed to be a deal today, but he wasn't re-signed yet. I mean, they had till today. I, I saw Andrew Harbaugh um, posted a poll. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I thought it was a really intriguing question. 
he proposed, if you're the Giants, would you trade Saquon Barkley for Russell Wilson straight up? What do you guys think? Absolutely not. But if I am New York, I'm giving up uh, one of my first round picks, if not both, to get Russell Wilson. And that's kind of why I said earlier why Lott gets drafted before Haskins is because I think Denver, John Elway specifically, has fallen in love with Drew Lott. He's going to go in a position similar to where we were with Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying Drew Locke is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Please do not take it that way. But I think he goes in a similar situation where he gets to go sit there a year, learn how to be an NFL quarterback, and then he can come in while already knowing the offense, getting somewhat of an idea of what an NFL defense will be like with the speed and the transition of the games. That will help him develop. You know, kind of what Trees was knocking him on, his progressions and, the you know, while he's dropping back during a play. So that's why I have Locke over Haskins, because other than that, in the top 10, who do you have taking a quarterback for Haskins? Because Denver is so in love with Locke, I don't see them taking Haskins. And who's going to trade up over them to get him? I don't think that he goes in the top 10. I think that... Uh, given, I feel like this podcast is so like pro Bengals getting a quarterback. Um, I I would love to see him at eleven at with the Bengals. Sit behind Dalton for one year, Haskins. Sit behind him one year. You come in the next year, or even halfway through the year, you have AJ Green, you have Tyler Boyd, you have um, Eifert, you have Joe Mixon. You're gonna have the weapons. Let's just let's just make Haskins and already a top fifteen quarterback in the NFL if he sits out one year. So when do you guys think Russell Wilson's playing days in Seattle come to an end? Before the draft? I think he already wants to be out. I mean, you saw the Honey Badger tweet last night. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but at least I did. Yeah, that Russ <laughs> yeah. wants out of Seattle and that Russ wants New York. And I truly believe that. And I also saw the Honey Badger tweet about Frank Clark trade negotiations possibly leading with the Chiefs. He didn't say that, but he gave the eye emojis, and I'm going to be a giant Chiefs homer here and be like, that means he's going to the Chiefs, and I'm freaking fine with that as well. Sorry, I'm going back to something. So, Austin, you said you would not trade Barkley for Wilson. No, because you have two first-round picks. But the question was, would you trade Barkley for Wilson? I think, yeah, I think Andrew, maybe let's just look at it from a value standpoint. Cause I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I was like, hell no, that's Saquon Barkley. He's just going into a second year. But then I remembered our um, all NFL teams, Treese taking Russell Wilson. And for the next three years, I don't know. I mean, if he wants to go to the Giants, is there something there? Or Austin, if you're in control of the Giants and Doug, I want your take on this as well. Do you just hang on to Saquon and go a different route? Value-wise, is it, a, is it a trade that you would consider? I, again, I would still answer no because okay. you have a star running back, and I know I'm just going to continue to do political shit here and go around the main part of the question, but you can ultimately find a quarterback, whether it's this year in the draft or next year, but you still get to keep that star running back. All right. Different scenario, same animal. Wilson gets traded to the Eagles. The Eagles ship Wentz to the Seahawks. How well, do you guys feel about that? Would Philly give up Carson Wentz? That's tough. I, I mean, yes, Wilson, Wilson will be nice. I don't think it's that hard for Eagles fans as it is for Seahawks just because, you know, you've had high hopes for Wentz. 
you know, he was almost an MVP, led your team to the playoffs, and then Nick Foles took you guys to the Super Bowl and ultimately won it for you. Wentz comes in the next year and gets hurt again. So if you see him go to Seattle, you're probably going to see him get hurt again just due to the offensive line being in the shape that it is for Seattle. And then you'll see Russ tear it up in Philadelphia, and they'll forgive that act of why did we trade Wentz away when, you know, Wilson's over here making star-studded plays like he has been in Seattle this whole time. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> I mean, like, I, the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you never see a quarterback-for-quarterback quarterback trade. Um, That's actually a really good point. When but, was the last time we saw one? That's a good point. Never. Never. I've never seen one. But, um, but I mean, there'd be, of course, draft picks included. But, I mean, Wentz is, what, 26? Yeah, he's got to be around 25, 26, I guess. Yeah. How old's Wilson? Like pushing 30 now? Yeah. Entering his prime, right? <laughs> I think Wentz is more in his prime, but just Wentz gets wow, hurt. Wentz so is 26. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, he, he was yeah, a senior when he came out. So that is true. While we're talking quarterbacks, it's been a while since we've mentioned his name on the podcast. And which is interesting to me because earlier last season, he was a guy that Treese and Doug and I texted and talked about a lot. Will Greer, where do you guys see him going? Is he a round two guy? I see him as a round three guy. I, I'm i a believer in Will Greer and just the way he plays. I think he's an awesome leader. I think that he can make he can make a lot of throws. I do think that there's certain throws that he can't make. Austin has uh, pointed those out that what he saw at – the senior bowl and at the combine. So I'm taking his word for it, but I am a believer in Will Greer as a player. So I would be pumped if my team took Will Greer um, in round three. If a team doesn't reach for him in round one, like a quarterback needed team, and I doubt that they would, he wouldn't go before round three. I'd agree because in round 2 i mean that's when people are trying to get the people that have either fallen or dropped to the last chance for the really talented players so i don't see him going in round 2 so easily round 3 or 4 but i personally i like will greer's attitude i think as like just a dude in general he's just it'd be just cool to have in the locker room he'd bring it together kind of like uh drew stanton like i'm not saying he's going to have the same career as drew stanton as a perennial backup but he'd have a really good uh, presence in a locker room and could change a lot of things. Who are some other round two or round three quarterbacks like Tyree Jackson? Jarrett Stidham. I think he's been completely overlooked. Um, I heard this the other day, actually, and I thought it was a really good point. Uh, when you look at Jarrett Stidham's tape from 2017 – you see a guy that was going to come into the class as probably one of the top-ranked quarterbacks, right? You look at this last year's tape, and you can tell the dude plays scared in the pocket because he know by the time you know he drops back and it comes time to make a read or throw the ball that there's going to be a defender in his face and that he doesn't have time to set his feet and make a good throw. So I could see him actually going into the NFL, being put in a good place, you know, given time to develop. He already has the arm strength. You know, he has the technique. He's a good quarterback. He just has to have that time and he has to have weapons. And that's just what he did not have at Auburn this past year. And that's ultimately hurt his stock. But he did do well at the Senior Bowl. He's a great interview. He's a cool dude. And that's the exact same thing with Will Greer going off what Doug said. You know, he did well in college. He won in college. And that's something that you want to see with a guy that's going to take it to the next level. You know, he led a team. 
he's married, he's a dad, he's mature, you know, he's just got that thing for going for him that, you know, not a lot of these other guys do. And, you know, like Tree said, in the third round, if he ends up with the Jaguars, I think that's a pretty good spot for him, especially getting to learn between or learn behind Nick Foles. That, that's a good spot for Will Greer, and that's not something I've thought of, but I really, really like it. Interesting about Jarrett Stidham, and I can't remember, I wish I remember the stats off at the top of my head, but I saw him yesterday, is he led college football in passes like under five yards from the line of scrimmage by like a significant margin. Like I'm talking like almost triple what other people were doing, including Dwayne Haskins, which is what I thought was crazy because I do know that Dwayne Haskins threw a fair amount like wide receiver screens to Campbell, right? Like that Campbell's they had like, it was something like 30% of his catches were wide receiver screens this year. And that's, and that's exactly why I have my argument against Haskins is because those were scheme drawn up plays that helped pad his stats because Campbell can take that screen pass and boom, make one or two moves and he's gone. Oh, I, I, yeah, I see your argument um, on the Haskins thing. My thing is like, just watch that Rose Bowl. Oh my goodness. He was eaten alive. The that Washington defense that was like supposed to be one of the best, right? We're talking we're talking two of their DBs supposed to be in the top forty. Well, that's two players on you got nine other guys out there making mistakes. You know what I mean? And then here's a question, or here's something I haven't done yet. How many times did he throw with those top two guys? How many times was the ball put in their direction? That's a good question. I don't know. Mm, scheme. Mm, I'll, st- I'll still but, take. Uh, hey, let's let's start the segment out. What do you want to lose? Dwayne Haskins <laughs> versus Drew Locke rookie stats. It's fine. I don't think that's going to be fair because if one goes on plays over the other, we, we need we need to do it over their first full season. Yeah. Stats. That's fair. Maybe, I love. It. Maybe hold on. That's not. That's going to be unfair too because. You know, Josh Allen this year and then any other quarterback of last year, their stats are going to be different because one played a season and one didn't. So first full three seasons. Right. Let's three them seasons after. of starting or playing. Yeah, three so years we'll, from their drafting. We will talk to all of you guys in 2022. We're going to bookmark, bookmark this podcast. I, I mean, I love it. That's why I love asking these questions to you guys because it's fun to, you know, we're going to be able to go back and refer to these episodes and, you know, kind of dig up these gems but speaking of over the next three years that's actually something i wanted to ask you guys tonight in three years from now tell me the best player from this draft class i want one offensive guy one defensive guy so just real quick i'm going to go back to jerry stidham and Teresa's point of him you know leading the sc in the most passes of five yards whatever the stat was that trees has because he just seems to have all that shit all the time he does it's because you know it just goes back to him not having time. You know what I mean? He doesn't doesn't have a choice but to be like, shit. Here's a guy. Boom, take the ball. Please do something. Oh, you got tackled. Let's try this again. And then, and then to answer your question here, Riley, this is going to be kind of surprising because this isn't anyone that we've really talked about. But uh, I have AJ Brown as my top offensive guy in the next three years out of this class. Wow. That's awesome. I did not expect that to be your answer. Tell us why. Just due to the fact that, you know, he was able to put up numbers in college and he just reminds me of a guy that is watching DK Metcalf get get all the noise and getting talked about the most. And he's just going to want to come out and prove why he is the better guy, whether he's going to say that or not. He's going to come out and prove it. I kind of see it similar with a Odell and Landry situation. 
where they're both good receivers. They were both on the same team. They didn't really have a good quarterback, and you're going to sit here and ask yourself, why are we not seeing these guys do better in college? But I think we did see with A.J. Brown, and I think he's just going to land in, the, in a good situation with a decent quarterback, and I think he's going to have an exceptional NFL career. Okay, so clearly you've got him as a wide receiver number one. Do you see D.K. Metcalf as a wide receiver number one three years from now? I feel like he there's, gets hurt somewhere along the line. There's, you know, yeah. injuries, in, injuries in college carry over the injuries in the NFL. So I, if he doesn't get hurt and he has a healthy career, I'm going to be shocked. And I know a lot of other people are going to be shocked as well. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just something we'll have to see. Yeah, there's, you know, those questions, I mean, there's projection there. So, I mean, talent-wise, it's it really is just your opinion. But I love it, man. I, I love A.J. Brown. Treese. Who do you have as your best offensive player in this uh, draft class three years from now? Yeah. So, Austin, I love the A.J. Brown pick. The more I did on A.J. Brown the last couple weeks, I actually just kept moving him up and up and up in my wide receiver rankings. He ended up being wide receiver two right behind Nikhil Harry. I have Harry um, at 19 on my big board and A.J. Brown at 22. So they're very, very close. Um, best overall offensive player for me. Um, it's so hard to say, right? Cause like, are we going off of stats or we're going off of just like, who's actually helping the team win? If you were, you know, overall anything, I would say either TJ Hawkinson or Jonah Williams. Interesting. So I think that Jonah Williams is going to be a stud offensive lineman in this league, wherever you put him. I personally would love to see him at center and just let him just own that offensive line. He's super intelligent and let him kind of be the guy reading the defense, letting the offensive line know like where to block. Um, but he can do he can play anywhere on the offensive line. I have no doubt about that. TJ Hawkinson, I don't think that he's gonna always put up crazy numbers. But his blocking ability and the ability to make the big play, I think, is going to be his career. He's going to make it when it really counts on a third down and five. He's going to come up with an eight-yard catch. When you're trying to get one more first down to just seal the, seal the game away, it's going to be him making the catch, making the play. Um, he's, he's not – I don't think he's personally – personally, I don't think he's going to put up, like, Gronkowski numbers. I really just yeah. don't see that. But – I see him being a very, very good player, and he's still going to put up good stats because he's a great athlete and can make all all the plays. I just don't see him putting up the stats that a lot of people are comparing him to. Yeah, I guess in asking these types of things too, you know, it really is just kind of for fun. It, it's kind of more just like that immediate reaction. Who's the first name that comes to mind? Because again, you're right. With are we talking stats? Are we talking winning, being a contributor on a winning team? Are we talking Pro Bowl appearances? When I think of like best player in a draft class, like just based on what you said there too, Therese is I think of like Joe Thomas on the Browns. Like how good was that guy? Like didn't get stats that were noticed, but he showed up. How many consecutive snaps did he play? That's, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Just a guy that's just like, that was a good investment in that draft pick. Let's talk defense. Austin, who is your, your top defensive guy three years from now? Um, he's going to be the guy that's done, you know, a lot of the talking so far. Um, he, you know, he had an interview with Levco Bleach Report a couple weeks ago, and the dude did nothing but talk, and he showed up in a suit looking sharp, 
And uh, that's going to be Jonathan Abram, you know, safety out of Mississippi State. I think he's going to be a kid that comes in and lights it up. He hits hard. He covers well. He talks, but boy, does he back it up. And, you know, it shows up on film. I really like the kid, and I think he's going to do well. And I'm excited to see him in the NFL, and especially in three years when we're talking about, you know, which one of these defenders from this draft class really does well. I think a lot of us might be surprised that it'll be a safety, especially with the amount of talent and edge in this class. So the Lions are in need of some secondary help. So if they take Abram at eight, and I haven't heard him, um, you know, attached to the Lions at all, but if if they take him, you think I should be pretty happy? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it definitely won't happen at eight. If it happens at eight, you might be a little bit worried because you just passed up on a shit ton of other talent there. But, but I think he's definitely a guy that – could be there in the early part of the second round for you. You know, I pick eight in the second. I think that's a good spot for him. But I also think he finds a way into the first round with the Patriots or the Colts. Well, I'll just console myself with saying that was Austin's pick for the best defensive guy three years from now. So I don't give a shit where he was taken. I feel like I'm repeating myself. Austin, great pick again. I actually have Jonathan Abram at 16 on my big board. I have him by far the best safety, I think. I don't think that he falls out of the top 25. I think he gets picked between 20 and 25. So, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Best overall defensive player. I mean, I'd be stupid to not go with number one player on my board, I guess. And that would be Nick Bosa. I think that he's going to just be a wreck on the edge. I know a lot of people are thinking like Quinnen Williams has so much more room to grow, which I totally agree with, but it's still a little bit of the unknown. I The word potential always scares me because it's something that could happen, but you don't know if it's going to happen. Um, with Bosa, I think you know exactly what you're getting, safest guy. So I would say him. Another player, just to if I, if I don't want to go with the boring route, would be Jeffrey Simmons. So let's... Because Bosa was number one for like all of throughout the season last year. And then Murray jumped to that spot and has been there ever. I don't know what the combine really. And I know Austin, that last episode, you said it should be Bosa at number one is, is Bosa so talented that if they take Kyler, are they making a mistake? I know that that's Cliff's guy. I know they want a quarterback, but you guys all seem very high on Bosa. Is he, so supremely talented that drafting Kyler Murray is a mistake? Well, if you have the number one pick and you got a new head coach and he wants to get his own quarterback, you can't look at it as being a mistake because if you do, you're already messing up. You know what I mean? That's like if you go into anything and you think, oh, I might not be very good at it, well, then you've already failed. So with that mindset, you know, that's a little motivational talk right there. So you go ahead and you boys write that one down and remember it, all right? <laughs> Believe in yourself. That's but. Good point. Back to the question. I mean, Bosa is, you know, a top-end talent. You know, he's he has all the tools. We've seen everything that he has, and we see we everyone thinks it's going to translate into the NFL just like it did with his brother. But similar to what his brothers faced and to what he faced in college is injuries. I mean, either of them play a full season. You know what I mean? Yes, they got talent. They're strong. They're fast. They're physical. With the Cardinals taking Murray at one, I think that helps them with their draft or where they want to go in the draft. That helps keep their head coach happy. That allows him to install his offense and develop a team the way he wants instead of doing it with a guy that he doesn't want and he ultimately gets deemed as a bad coach or a guy that didn't translate well from the college world to the NFL world. Well, it's hard to do that if you don't have the players that you want, especially starting and being as young as he is in Arizona where the general manager's on the hot seat. 
I mean, you know, issues that he had last year, you get a top 10 quarterback and you're like, hey, you know what? We want to ship him out. We want a first round pick or first round draft pick. And no one's wanting to give that up right now. So you got to make the most out of it. And you have to to know that Murray is going to be your guy to help you get there. And you got to go from there. Yeah, that's a really, really good answer, Austin. Doug, give us your guys, man, your offensive and defensive player. You know, for offensive, um, I'm just going to stay with my favorite tight end, TJ Hawkinson, who I absolutely love. Like, I think he's going to be dominant in the league for a long time for whatever lucky team drafts him. Um, dude's an animal. He's a beast. He, he's the that, ultimate football player. I just, I love him. That was uh, Treese's guy as well. Oh, right. So you like him a lot. Oh, well. oh, hell yeah, dude. I love DJ Hawkinson. I love watching him play. And this is, and for a tight end, I really like watching him block. Like, yeah, he, decent catch or decent uh, receiver. But watching him block is actually a lot of fun because he puts a lot mm-hmm. of people on their backs. And he opens up a lot of holes, too. Um, but for defense, the guy that – it's not that I'm – I think that he's going to – I think he'll have a successful career, but I think he'll be a fun person to watch is – shoot, I just forgot his name. I'm sorry. DeAndre Baker. Mm-hmm. And as weird as that may sound, I think that he'll be really good in the long run. Maybe not, like, as a starter. He'll be, he has a lot of things that he needs to work on, especially his fluidity. But I think that once he can figure that out with his speed, with how he's able to kind of translate into mirror route run, route or the receiver's route running abilities and his footwork, once he can get that fluidity down, he'll be a pretty dominant corner in the league. So in the future, oh, he'll be fun to watch. We'll be talking about him. So you're telling me I need to update my big board. <laughs> where Actually, where do you have DeAndre Baker on your big board? Is he not even on it? 37. Oh, okay. Hey, you know what? To be honest with you, I do, as a draft grade, late first, early second. That'd be where I could see him going. But in a longevity, if he's able to put, like, his feet down work hard, I I think that he'll have a pretty good career. So let's, let's talk. We've been talking draft a little bit, obviously. Let's talk about current NFL happenings and situations. What team that made the playoffs this last year is going to be on the outside looking in this upcoming year? It happens every year. I'm sure there will be more than one, but what's the first team that comes to mind for you guys that misses this year that made it last? Ravens. (laughs) Treese disagrees with that. I I could care less if you guys disagree. I'm making it this year. Uh Uh-uh. Hey, there you go. Pick your your opinion and roll with it. Uh, For me... For me, I'm going to say the Seahawks, just due to the fact that Wilson doesn't want to be there, and I have a feeling that they trade him, and they're going to be looking for a quarterback, and they might miss out on one this year in the draft. And if they do, boy, they're toast, and I don't see me in the playoffs. So Ravens, Seahawks, Treese, what do you got? There's all, Like you said, there's always a few. Uh, I love the Seattle one, especially if, only if, Russell Wilson is gone. Um, I'm going to go with, The Houston Texans, because I think that division is going to be so hard that only one team makes it out. And my second team is going to be the Chicago Bears. 
Ooh. Love it. Mm. I hope that one comes true. Can well, you explain you why? Think, you really don't think that the Bears are going to make it? Correct. Wow. Why? Why? Because I think the Vikings get their shit together, and I think that they're arguably the number one seed. In the Saints probably got the number one seed, but I think they're going to be fighting with the Rams for the number two seed, and I think that the Packers did amazing in free agency, and their weakness was defense, and I think that that defense is going to start slowing people down where Rodgers doesn't have to score 35 points to win ballgames. All right. Mm-hmm. I like that, it. I like that, it. That's Austin clapping. Why are you clapping, bro? Because he freaking just, you know, hit the nail right on the head with a hammer. Well, why? You know, all the way through. Huh, well, why? <laughs> Packers did well in free agents. You know, the Vikings are going to get their shit together, and they need offensive line help. That's what's been mocked for them the entire time. And, you know, these drafts, I think they get a guy that's going to be a plug and play. You give Cousins some time. You got weapons. You just signed up, you know, your receivers for a longer term. I think you're good to go. Yeah, I've gotten pretty used to Treese calling out these uh, division winners and stuff like this far in advance. Like, what are we, five, six months before football starts? Um, Called the Cowboys winning it last year, so that was nice. Hey, uh, Chargers, man, you're banking on that, so. Good God. Uh, Did you you call the Vikings winning it, though, when we did that segment? I don't remember. No, I went with the Packers winning it. Oh, good but, God. But last year, Treese, you did have the Saints at number one in the NFC. At least, you know, yeah. we, were, we were playing Madden early. I, I had the Jaguar Saints in the Super Bowl. Oh, you know what? Hey, speaking of Madden, let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Madden. How are we doing with Madden over the weekend? I know for me it was a hell of a weekend. That's all I really need to say on my end. But Treese, Doug, how are you guys doing Madden-wise? I mean, I had a fantastic weekend. Um, poor, poor Doug is um, zero and eight against me, so that's that's fun. Um, should be two and six. Should be, <laughs> he's an idiot and throws interceptions with the lead in the fourth quarter, so that's your own fault. So you're zero and eight. <clears throat> Austin, Austin's had a few tough losses against me. Riley, you had a few tough losses against me. We, I mean, we I'm our, Yeah, we we invite our listeners. If you are confident in your ability on sticks and Madden, please, on behalf of Doug, Austin, myself, try to beat Treese. We would love for that to happen. I do have to tip my hat to Austin. We had a what combined 105 points in our game. I, for the love of God, could not stop Tyreek Hill. Austin is smiling right now. I'm going to let you have this moment, Austin. Can you explain from your perspective how that game went? I'm still so fucking mad about that but. yeah I'll, I'll explain it really well <laughs> um i got the ball i spread it around quite a bit and then it held for some touchdowns and you ran the same play 30 times in a row <laughs> oh dude <laughs> level sales baby level sales what's good hey um dude yeah madden is the greatest game I love when I win. I hate when I lose. That's obvious. Um, Doug, what are your thoughts on Madden, dude? Are you happy that Jack got you this PlayStation? Are you feeling pretty good? Are you about to start making a name for yourself here in this Madden league that we got going here? Yeah, if I can stop pressing the wrong damn buttons and then throwing it to Treese like he's one of my receivers. So of your eight losses, how many of those are can we chalk up to pressing the wrong button? 
Not all of them. I mean, maybe like <laughs> one of the very first ones. Actually, okay, real quick. To Trees, to Trees, zero. I've earned those losses. Straight up. With Austin, though, when the last game we played, 17 to 14, that's how you beat me. I pressed the wrong button and you intercepted it. But that doesn't mean that that was because of the loss, but I definitely gave up my any chance of winning with me throwing that interception. I remember that differently. I remember you pressing the wrong button, and it should have been intercepted, but it wasn't. <laughs> that was probably multiple times, though. I mean, the other the last time I played Treese, I don't know how Jarvis Landry caught it, but it was between, like, four defenders. I thought it, like, went through the middle of one of the players, and Landry caught it somehow. But I threw it across the field, across Baker's body. I had no clue how he caught it. But so I pressed trees, the trees. And it out. Yeah, I still picked you off nine times that game. Uh, <laughs> you have, you have, I think you have about like eight touchdowns on me, but you also have eight red zone interceptions. Oh, dude, <laughs> I am so shitty in the red zone. It's not even funny. You're, you're so bad. Like, you're like, really bad at it. I hate the red zone. Well, against you. Against you. Because I can't high point Najoku against you. That's like my main go-to. I can't high yeah. point Najoku or throw a low pass to Landry because you're too damn good. I mean, that's, wh- that's what happens when you try to face Ramsey and J- Miles Jack, bro. And then when you try to wait a minute, dude, Yannick's on your ass. You better it's watch true. out. It's a true. It's a, I'm where, are we, where are we heading into next? I'm tired yeah. of this. Trees smack talk. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired yeah. of talking about how much we've been losing the trees. You're right. I, I shouldn't have brought it up. And really, yeah, having to acknowledge Austin's NFL record. And Mahomes Who's was what? Daddy? 80. Okay, let's change topics here, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> hey, um, I wanted to ask you guys, what is your personal favorite aspect of the NFL draft? Like, to, to us, this is like Christmas. I mean, it, it is one of the greatest days what do you guys love most about watching the NFL draft? Oh, fans bickering to people in the media about how wrong they are on their mock drafts or their big boards. That's my favorite thing to watch personally. What has nothing to do with prospects, which there are plenty that I love with the prospects, but watching fans get so butthurt and get so mad with certain media people, that's my favorite. Mine is just the drama of it. Just it is so much fun. Round round one specifically, there's just so much to it where you don't know like who's trying to trade up. You don't know who's going where. There's always one guy that's falling. There's one guy that gets picked up super early. You start scrambling trying to understand why. Perfect example last year was Penny to the Seahawks. I'm like, what the fuck did I miss? I'm going back trying to watch watch things, but then I hear people on tv be like yeah this is a huge reach i'm like okay so but did i miss something like seattle's front office isn't stupid they find they find diamonds in the rough so i was like what is going on here and then i I think for me that's the biggest thing that i really really enjoy about the draft and i i have to agree with you you know we'll switch seats here on you know you agreeing with everything i say like i think you should (laughs) But uh, right now, you know, I'll say with the draft, it relates perfectly to a video of this old man, you know, watering his grass where he goes, 95% of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. And that's exactly <laughs> what the NFL draft is and everyone that talks about it. You really don't know what's going to happen. But that's what makes it so much fun and that's what attracts so much attention is that 
you know, you're going to sit here and you're going to guess and you're going to give all these reasoning and these explanations and there's holes here and which one, which hole should be filled first with this player here or there. But ultimately, you don't have a clue, especially this year. Kyler Murray is a kid from Oklahoma that won the Heisman and was going to go play baseball and just completely jumped off that ship and swam to shore to find out, hey, I'm the number one pick in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. But after that, what's happening? I mean, what are the – I mean, what's everyone else doing after pick one? If the Cardinals don't go Murray number one, where does Murray go? That was what I was, I was talked about, about to this? bring up. Was, I mean, where would he um, go? Like, what, what the fuck happens? Like, all of a sudden, now it's the Niners and Jets that are like, oh, God, let him fall to us. Let him fall to us so that we can trade and we can get a shit ton of picks. Because he falls out of one – you have Washington tra- calling them immediately. I think you have Miami calling and saying, "No, like let's ma- let's get our guy now. Let's make this move." We start to get a regular, like a real draft day situation where it's like, "Oh shit, they didn't take mm-hmm. Bo Callahan. What the hell's happening?" And you get people trading all around to try and get the right guy. Yeah, enjoy your fucking pancakes. <laughs> so, I, I watched that movie just real quick. I watched that movie every day before the draft. Starting after the combine, I'm sure you did, you poor fucking Browns fan. Yeah, dude, I was gonna say, dude, <laughs> that's, that's got to be, uh, you know, hey, but maybe things are changing for for the Browns and for Doug. Um, <laughs> off of that, what's what's been your guys' favorite NFL draft? I mean, obviously one that your team did really well in, but what's the most memorable NFL draft for you over the years? Patrick Mahomes going number 10 to the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll be honest, that's really the year before that's when I kind of, you know, started paying attention to the NFL draft. And then that year was when I had, you know, taken my full deep dive. Yes, this was only three years ago, but for the draft of Patrick Mahomes, that's kind of when I started, you know, to pay attention to everything. And there were some mocks where Patrick Mahomes was falling that far to the Chiefs. You know, there were parts where he was falling to the Saints or even to the Bills, you know, and it was just kind of like, son of a gun, like, this, you know, we really don't want this. And you didn't know where the Chiefs were going to go. You were hoping that that would happen. It didn't. And all of a sudden, boom, they jump up in the draft and they get Mahomes at 10. And they gave up a first that year, the next year's first, and then, you know, I think a second or an extra something into it. But you ultimately knew, hey, we have the guy of the future we just need to give him time to develop. And thanks to Alex Smith for just being the ultimate teammate and the ultimate guy that he's the reason why, you know, Kansas city is where we are right now. Yeah. Austin, I can't believe it's so what you say three years that you've really been full fledged in this, that really blows me away. Cause it seems like you've been doing it a lot longer. Um, also, I love how, how much you clearly respect Alex Smith and, from doing this podcast, I've really given it a lot more thought too. you know, like you said, when Mahomes comes in, Smith saw the writing on the wall, he knew what it meant. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's awesome. Treese, what's been your favorite NFL draft throughout the years? Well, I've mentioned it so many times here. It's the one I went to, we got Rams, yeah. we got miles Jack, we got Yanni Kingakwe in it. So the, that obviously was my all time favorite, um, but if I don't go off of that one, um, the, actually the friend that I went there with, uh, me and him had a long history of watching the draft together. And so another like really memorable one for me was, uh, 2009, the Michael Crabtree year. I was like mm-hmm. dead set on the Jags taking him at eight. That's who I really wanted them to take. He 
was he was projected to go always like a little bit before them. A lot of people thought to seven to the Raiders, who they ended up taking Darius Hayward Bay. Um, so that was a pick before the Jack. So once he fell, I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna get him. We're gonna get him. And my friend, this asshole. Goodell walks up onto the stage and he goes, with the eighth pick in the 2009 NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select asshole turns the TV off right (laughs) and I was like, what? And he, oh man, he was just busting up laughing and I was just like, oh my god, you dick. And then I turned it back on only to see that they took Eugene Monroe. So that, that was, was that's Corbin, right? Yeah, it was Corbin, and he's a huge Niners fan. And then, of course, the Niners get Crabtree at ten, which just made it that much worse. Son of a bitch! Thanks a lot, Corbin. Actually, for real, thank you. That's that's really that's funny, dude. That's that's brilliant. I've forgotten that I heard that story before, but as you're like halfway through telling it, I was like trying to imagine because the Lions are picking eight this year. If some if one of you guys did that to me, I think I'd need like a month off from the podcast. That's brutal. Doug, what do you got, man? Um, so one of my favorite drafts actually, I it it was the 2017 draft when we got Najoku, Peppers, Garrett. Like I loved that draft when I knew, like, I mean, we got Kaiser later on. I was like, this is gonna be a stupid year, but whatever. Like I was really excited for the defense that they were building, but this last draft. I broke a light at Texas Roadhouse, fist pumping in the air when we took Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I remember that story. Him. Yeah, like, I just jumped straight up. I punched the light above us, broke the light, and then the fourth pick. I didn't want Bradley Chubb because that's not what we needed, but that's what everybody else wanted. We got and the Browns picked Denzel Ward. I was freaking stoked. So it's safe to say the 2018 NFL draft, hands down, is my favorite draft. So if if there were changes to be made to the NFL drafts, is there a change that you personally would like to see in any aspect of it? So I think they've been doing a great job of like shortening it because it's it is a mm-hmm. super long event. Something that I honestly would love to see is make round one. It used to be fifteen minutes; they lowered it to ten. I would love to see it shrink down to eight. Mm-hmm. Round two. I don't even care if you actually up it from five. I think around two five now, right? Um, make that go up to like seven, and do rounds one and two the first night. I love that, and I hundred percent agree with that. Austin, what about you? Um, I would just like to see more of a you know deeper dive into the you know the war rooms of each team. You know, kind of get more of an insight of the discussions they had before making a pick or a trade. Cause like with Kansas city trading up to 10, like I want to hear that conversation with the bills. I want to hear them go back and forth. I want to hear the sales pitch of a John Dorsey or, you know, the head coach, you know, hearing Andy Reed, Clark Hunt, the owner, like just hearing all these guys share their opinions and their thoughts on this. And then once it happens, their initial reaction and then seeing it once the name's called, like, I want to see all that take place. Like, yes, I don't want to see it live because, you know, other teams are going to watch it, but I want them to be able to go back and show that or eventually maybe have a different show, you know, kind of like when they do NFL live, you know, they do the NFL replay where you see the game and then you get to hear like the sideline voices or discussions, you know, I want to see that with the draft. 
Well, for, for a cool $200 and, or $2,500, you can do that in San Francisco. That's you paying for it? <laughs> no, you were supposed to pay me for it. <laughs> Dude, that's uh, awesome. That's a little bit. I think I saw you retweet it. Um, that whole thing that came out this last week with Derrick Rose when he got the phone call when he was being informed he was traded from the Bulls. Like, you know, we get it. Like, these are pro athletes, but you know, they're people too. And even watching that, I thought, man, like you can feel the emotion from a little four or five minute video on, on your phone that far removed from it. Can only imagine, um, you know, being in his shoes. I think that's a really good point. Doug, what about you? Anything that you would like to see different about the NFL and the way they do the draft? Um, I actually, I, I would feel the same way. Getting a deeper dive inside how it all works how the like the final like scouting comes together, GM comes together, coaches come together. Um, almost, I mean, I I'd, I'd like them to treat it like a hard knock situation where they over dramatize it, but because it's also like the day of the draft, there's drama. Like there's gonna be things happening. So I would I'd love to see that. I'm in the same boat as that. Cool. If there if there's a team that trades up, and I think we've kind of touched on this, but obviously as some time has passed, we've been doing this a couple months now. If there's a team that's to trade up in round one, who do you guys think that team is, and who do you think the player would be that they're targeting? We just talked about, you know, if by some miracle Arizona doesn't take Kyler Murray, which by the way, is there any chance that that happens? I don't think so anymore. I really Therese? don't. Do you think that there's a chance? According to Daniel Jeremiah, there is. I, I mean, what I saw that, but he said that um, on April 1st, he thought that it was a 90% lock. And now he says that he's down to 60%. He says that he's hearing a lot more uh, Bosa. Which also, I have another question now. Do you see a team trading up in the draft to get any other position other than a QB? Yes. Yeah. If if Quinnen Williams falls past three, somebody will be trying to trade up. Who do you think it would be? I'm glad that you just asked that that like that, Doug, because that's really what I want to get to. Quarterbacks are the obvious targets, but um, it'd probably be somebody that has an ample amount of picks or somebody that's already on the trading block. So honestly, I don't know. I mean. This, I'm, this is this wouldn't happen. I mean, the Browns still have like eight picks, and they're trying to trade Duke Johnson. I don't think that they're that's clearly enough to get that fourth, fifth pick. But they would maybe even throw in a next year's first rounder. I don't know. Yeah, so it's all projection. I mean, I guess you know it, it's it's easy to ask these questions. It's a lot harder to answer them. Okay, you want an example? What about if, let's say, Quinn and Williams is there at four? Okay. What if, what if the Lions trade pick eight and their second round pick to move up those four spots and try to get a Quinn? And I know they have Snacks Harrison, and I know they have Hand. Like, I know they have players, but like that's the that's the type of move I would be expecting. Like, it's still a top ten pick that's moving up, and they're just giving up like a, an early second or even an early third round pick just to move up those. Nothing absolutely insane or drastic. Even if it's not for Quentin Williams, I could see the Lions doing that for a Devin White. 
Yeah. So, so Daniel Jeremiah, and I'm not sure if you guys saw, we obviously sent a bunch of messages, but uh, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, one of the Lions guys that I followed, tweeted out, didn't quote him exactly, was, was paraphrasing, but he said he thinks that the Lions could trade up to three. And maybe that's maybe that's what it is. You know, maybe they just fall in love with the prospect there that, uh, you know, if he's there, you make a move and you go go up and get him. Is TJ Hawkinson a top 10 pick? I, I don't know if, I mean, again, we've talked about him, but two of you guys just picked him as your best offensive player three years from now. I have seen his name to the Lions quite a bit lately. Yes or no, do you think he goes in the top 10? Yes. I, Doug's with the yes. Treese, what do you got? No. No? Austin? I don't know. I would. <laughs> we got the I mean, whole it, 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 I, I just had to be different. I wanted to still have three different answers, honestly. That's why I did it. <laughs> honestly, I don't think no. Uh, I think he's a guy that makes out of the top 10. And once he does, I think there's going to be teams that try and trade up for him, whether that's the Titans or, you know, you know, I think we our next segment here is heading into teams that may trade up for a guy. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Titans trade up for Hawkinson or maybe just another edge guy that makes it out of the top 10. And I could also see Seattle. Let's, I've said this. I'm just going to ride the train with it this episode. Seattle's getting rid of Wilson. If that happens, they're going to be a team that's trading up into the draft to get somebody. I mean, they're going to have to. They need a quarterback. They, I don't know who they have behind them. So those are definitely the two teams that I can see trading up this year to get someone that, we're, that we haven't been paying attention to as much. If... You you mentioned if he falls out of ten, somebody's going to try to trade up. Here's the thing: he's not falling past twelve. Packers, right? Or is, or is the Packers thirteen? No, no, they're, they're 12, twelve. But what, I mean, what 12. if Ed Oliver's there? I don't. Fuck. Fuck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay. Then, then there's a question, right? If Hawkinson is there and Oliver is not, because I don't believe Oliver is going to be there. I think Oliver will be a top ten pick. Um, I'm going to say that the Packers take it. Cool. Yeah. So again, we're talking a lot of projection here. Let's talk about things that have happened as far as moves to this point that have happened this off season. What one comes to you as the biggest surprise? I don't think it's happened yet. Honestly, I think we're okay. still waiting for that big move of this off season to take place. Whether it's Wilson getting traded, whether it's Clark getting traded, whether it's Jadavion Clowney getting traded, and I think Clark and Jevon Clowney, I think those destinations are Kansas City between the both of them. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I know other Kansas City Chiefs fans wouldn't mind seeing it. And I think the Chiefs, they missed out on Earl Thomas. If the Chiefs have Earl Thomas, that completely changes the landscape of, you know, their future and what everyone's opinion are of the team. I see it happening. I wouldn't be upset if it happened. They have the money to do it. So, again, I'm still with the fact that I don't think the biggest move of the offseason has happened yet. Good. Therese, what do you got? Yeah, I, I think he's right. Uh, if we're, if, excuse me, if we're going off of what the biggest move is, surprising move that has happened, I legit did not think Odell Beckham Jr. was going to get traded. I was, I was shocked by it, that it was going to happen. Um, but I really liked Austin's answer of, I don't think it has happened. I think that there's a lot of things that are going to happen within the next week or so, because the draft is, what, we're 10 days away from it right now. Yeah. I think it's going to be complete chaos starting, like, Tuesday of draft. Yeah. It'll be funny to look back on this episode and be like, man, that was 10 days before the podcast, and I'm asking you guys what's the biggest surprise. So I actually really like your guys' answers. But let me ask you this, Treese. 
to you specifically. Will you be surprised if Russell Wilson is traded, or do you think that would be more based on what he got traded for? In other words, do you think he does get traded? Austin's pretty sure that he does. Do you think he does? I mean, if you would if you would have asked me this yesterday, I would have said no, he's not getting traded. But now I'm like, shit, he may he may get traded. Uh, if gun to my head, I still say he doesn't. I say that he finishes out this season and then next year he's on a different team. Okay, good stuff. This is kind of a more hypothetical. I think this is a really good thing. I think Trace, you threw this out there. What if the Super Bowl was a best of three series? Yeah, I threw this out just because NBA playoffs started. And I just kind of wanted to play off of that. And, I mean, it would never work for, like, each round of the playoffs. So that's why I said the Super Bowl specifically. Mm -hmm. NFL always wants more games. They want more attendance. Could you imagine a game three for the Super Bowl? Like, these teams have played the previous two weekends before like together and against each other like so it's matchup number three oh so you could goodness. do you could do each team getting a home game and then a game three if necessary the super bowl at the neutral site um man i know if the lions were there and lost game one i'd be i'd be stoked that they'd get another chance austin do you have any thoughts on the hypothetical here i think it would be awesome uh i think a lot like taking a deeper thought and dive into, you know, how this would work with the rest of the season. I mean, you would see a lot more injuries during the Super Bowl just because how physical the game is. You would see injuries during the season take more of an effect, maybe take a longer leave to make sure they are fully healed so they can make that playoff push. I think you're going to see more players on teams. You know, there's going to be more of an issue on depth. You know, I've thought about this a couple of times too myself besides this of, would you have more than one quarterback? You know, would you want a guy that could come in and possibly fill a role or completely change a game or completely change a game plan of your team? And so the opposing defense has no idea what to do now because they've been game planning against a guy that is a prominent thrower. And now you bring in a guy that's prominently rush. That changes the whole dynamic of the game, right? That changes the dynamic of your team. This also changes the strategy during the season on what you show and what you don't show, kind of what they do now, but more to an extent. You know, this goes into like what I said. If you get a guy that's kind of got a nagging injury, be like, hey, you know, kind of set out a little bit. You know, get your rest this week. We're going to be fine here. You know, we got three games at the end of the season. And I also think it kind of dictates who's going to be there and who's not, more or less. Kind of, you know, what we see in the NBA. You're going to see these teams kind of build up and pile up because they're going to want, you know, proven players. They're going to want healthy guys for that Super Bowl push and ultimately during that three-game series. So if the Rams and Patriots – Played a three. If that, if this last Super Bowl, if it was a best of three, who do you guys have winning? Rams. Really interesting. So you think they'd win the next two against the Patriots? What about you, Trees? Patriots in three. Yeah, I mean that's what we love about football, right? Is that it comes down to to one game, but it just always feels like <clears throat> we know that the Patriots defense is not that good to hold. What was it? They held the Rams to three points. And you know that the Rams offense is a lot better than three points, but it was just how that one game played out. It's interesting. I think it's a really good thought. All right, boys. I was watching 
NFL Live today on ESPN, and they were doing like a draft segment, and they were talking about all the boom and bust quarterbacks. I think they did like the last like ten years or so, and I thought it was super interesting to see. They had a column for boom, they had a column for bust, and then they had a column for still wait and see. I loved seeing what they were thinking on each player. And the two that I thought were most interesting were they had Sam Bradford and Mark Sanchez as booms. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand. And given I missed the first part of the segment. So when they talked about them, I didn't see, but what was boom about those two? To me, those two are, more of the biggest busts like they were talking so much shit on Bortles and EJ Manuel but what did those other two do I mean like Mark Sanchez yeah he took him to the AFC championship game I mean he did it twice but like Bortles led his team to the AFC championship game and Bradford the only way I could say is a boom is because he's gotten traded so many times for first round picks yeah, it's funny that you say that, Therese, because that, this was so in the 2009 leading up to that draft, I was uh, I was in <clears throat> South Africa. And I remember looking each week at mock drafts and it was always Stafford. I'd see some of them with Bradford, but th- at that time, Sam Bradford was still possible to, you know, uh, declare for the draft. And so it was just like, OK, well, Lions take Stafford. So 2010 rolls around Bradford's, you know, automatic number one pick there. But I, I've always thought that was curious. I mentioned that last week. It's one thing I like about Stafford. Yeah, the success hasn't been there like you'd like it to be. But he's tough as nails, and he's still the Lions quarterback. Sam Bradford, the number one pick the next year. I don't know how many teams he's played for. Where is he at even right now? Uh, where is he? I'm where sorry. is Sam Bradford? He's not on a roster, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, a, I don't think he's a free is agent. Anymore. Yeah, rightfully so. But, you know, kind of like what Treese was saying, you know, the reasons they would be booms. Uh, Sanchez did take the Jets to, you know, the AFC Championship game twice. You know, he was a guy that came in and kind of helped change that team, and then it just started to fall apart, and then he became inconsistent, and, you know, it was just like a snowball effect. It just kept rolling and rolling, all of a sudden it hit a tree, and boom, everything was done. And that's kind of exactly what happened with Sanchez when he ran at that offensive lineman's butt. That's his boom <laughs> right there. Here comes a boom, wham, butt fumble. <laughs> Led to ESPN not top 10 for like a whole year and a half, I think, honestly. So that would be my boom for Sanchez and then with Bradford. Yeah, I think it's because the dude came in, got hurt all the time, but still just made a shit ton of freaking money. I mean, has he played a full season yet? I don't think so. And the dude gets paid all this freaking money. And then, you know, like you said, gets traded for first-round draft picks. That's a pretty successful career in some people's eyes. And he could be a good quarterback if he would stay healthy. So ultimately they are busts, but I could see why they are booms. Yeah. Very, very little. Yeah. And I also thought it was interesting that they had guys like, I think they had Sam Darnold in the wait and see, but then they had Baker Mayfield in the boom. Where I'm just like, I know that Mayfield set a record for most touchdown passes as a rookie, but for the weapons he has compared to the weapons that Darnold has, I thought Darnold had just as good of a year. I mean, yeah, sure, Baker is better, but... For what Darnold's working with, I don't see him as a wait and see. I think he would be a boom. Yeah, with with what Baker, I mean, when they thrust him into the lineup, it was kind of like the Browns just saying, I mean, we literally have nothing to lose at this point. Just roll him out there. 
And Sam Darnold, I, I don't know how in that short of a time span what Baker had proved that Sam Darnold uh, has yet to prove. So, no, that, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I think looking back on it, do you guys – was Mark Sanchez – the beneficiary of a really good defense coached by Rex Ryan could how many other starting quarterbacks could have led that team to actually winning the Super Bowl, not just getting to the AFC championship? A lot. A lot of them. I mean, they were they were a running team. Um, what was their running back's name? Jones. Green. They had a green. Was it there. was Sean. It was Sean Green, but their main back was Jones, and I can't remember his first name. I I want to say it was like T.J. Jones or something like that. Uh, I think Austin's looking it up for us. But um, they were a running team, needed to make one big play and passing game here and there, and then let the defense carry you. I mean, they were they were the Jaguars of two years ago, right? Like score score seventeen to twenty points, and we're gonna win this game. Their best receiver was it Braylon Edwards? At the time? Yeah, they had Brandon Edwards there. And their tight end, who was the tight end? I remember, you know, because this was around 20, yeah, 2010. And I remember just thinking how, because the Jets were hot shit at that time. And like I mentioned last podcast, you know, it was like, would the Lions have been better with Sanchez? And then again, you know, as time, time goes on. That's the fun part of looking back on these guys too, is to see, you know, really whose value sticks around and how many of these guys stay in the league for a long time. The NFL career lifespan is really so damn short. It makes a huge difference for these guys that are trying to get drafted in the first, second round versus the sixth and seventh round who on that team, this is just fun to talk 2010 New York jets for all our jets fans or jets listeners that are our listeners that are jets fans. What I'm trying to say, the, uh, who was the best defensive player on that team? I know they were stacked, but who's the who was the best guy? Darrell Revis. Yeah, one hundred percent. And his name was Thomas Jones, so I was super close when I said Thomas T.J. Jones. Jones. Yeah, T.J. Jones was who I just kept burning over the top uh, on uh, Madden against Doug. He's a Lions receiver. He had over ten thousand rushing yards. Damn. Well, Therese, that's that's awesome that you brought that up about that boom and bust. That's definitely, I think, a good conversation for us there. But let's go ahead and head off into your own personal segment that you have created, and that is the uh, the tricky Therese questions here of trivia. And uh, let's go ahead and see what you have for us today, man. All right, gentlemen, here we go. And I am not going to take credit for finding this stat. I did see this on Twitter. So if somebody's like, hey, like I saw that from somebody else, I'm not trying to take credit for it. But I did think it was an awesome question for us. So, Austin, over the past three seasons, there have been five players that have scored eight or more offensive touchdowns each of those three seasons. Can you name those five players? And that is not counting, obviously, throwing. It's not counting quarterbacks because you would be able to name every starting quarterback. Okay, so five players that have scored eight or more offensive touchdowns in the last three seasons. Correct. That are not quarterbacks. That are not quarterbacks. Okay, so let's go Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Three seasons here. Man, I'm going to have to broaden up more than past the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> um, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> shoot, I wish. Uh, I hate how I stumble on these because I really Dude. just feel stupid. So I like, I don't 
feel confident in my ability to come up with these five. So let me throw out some names. Julio Jones. And this is not for Trees. This is to you, Austin. I'm throwing out names that you might be able to throw in. Julio Jones. You uh, won't be one. Really? Uh, he already had three touchdowns two years ago. Yeah. What? Are you serious? These are eight or more, man. That's eight's a lot. Uh, Who are the best players? What would, the fuck? Uh, would be Keenan Allen because he got injured a couple years ago. Uh, what positions are they primarily? Wide receiver? Two wide receivers, three running backs. And let me let me just start you out so you just to make you a little bit more nervous. You don't have a single one correct yet. Shit. Oh, that's awesome. Um, three running backs and two wide receivers. Correct. Neil Brown. Yes, you have okay. one right. So you I want to say Le'Veon Bell, but he didn't play last year. Correct. Would James White be one? He is not. I'm trying to go through the teams here in my mind. Melvin Gordon. Correct. That's really? number two. Yep. Okay. Hopkins? Nope. Odell Beckham Jr.? Nope. Mike Evans? Nope. What? You're getting hotter, though. Who do we always compare? Monte Adams. There you go. There's number three for you. So you're missing (laughs) two running backs at this point. And I will tell you right now, they're both in the NFC. The NFC running backs. Todd Gurley. No. Mark, no, not Mark Ingram. You're literally missing, like, what I thought was going to be the most obvious name, you're missing. So, they're they're going to be NFC running backs, and it's an obvious one. Yes. Zeke. Yes, there you go. That was the obvious. Ding, 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 ding. Definitely thought Gurley would be, yeah. I don't have any idea who the other one is, and if you tell me, I'm not going to guess it. This one is very difficult. I would never have guessed it. And I don't think that you guys will think of him because how about this? He is not even a starting running back for their team. Ajay. No. Is he in the AFC now? Is it going to be like a Isaiah Crowell or something? <laughs> no, because he's in the NFC. I'll just tell you guys because you're not going to guess it. Tevin Coleman. What? Ooh. Yeah, I thought you said he's not in the NFC. I said he is in the NFC. Oh. He is. Yeah, because Zeke, NFC yeah. East. Is Tevin he still Coleman. with Atlanta or did he go elsewhere this offseason? Uh, he's, he's with the Niners now. Okay, that's a good pickup. That's good. Yeah. Trace, you absolutely have – you love that fit with uh, – Yeah, I do. I, I mentioned on this podcast a few episodes ago I love the fit with them. I think it's going to be great. So, um, so to recap, the five players are Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown, Ezekiel Elliott – Melvin Gordon, Tevin Coleman. So let let me ask you two this real quick. Do any of those which of those five guys hit eight this season? I'm gonna say Devontae Adams does, Zeke does, Melvin Gordon does. I say the other two do not. I say Antonio Brown doesn't. I think he gets closer to seven. And I just don't think that Coleman will because he's just too big of an unknown with what what are they going to do with McKinnon? They still have Breida. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be passing it a lot. Given, I guess, Coleman probably gets a lot from the passing game. But I think that Kittle's too involved in the red zone. So I just don't see that Coleman gets it. So 
you said Melvin Gordon just now, but I think you meant Coleman, right? No, I meant no. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, running back for the Chargers. Right. So, okay, maybe I just shook up the five. Okay, so cool. What about you, Austin? Who are your which of these five hit eight this season? Um, I don't think it's going to be Devonte Adams just because he's not going to be the primary receiver there. So I will stay with Gordon. I hate to say that because probably three of them are going to be on the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> I do think Antonio Brown gets eight just due to the fact that, you know, he's going to be a big part of their offense. And especially if Carr's there, that's a good receiver. And he always seems to just make plays or break a slant for a deep, you know, touchdown. And then the other guy, I would say Zeke as well. Those would be my three. So, so we're basically just swapping A, B, and Devontae Adams. Yep. So you have you don't have Devonte Adams as the primary guy, Austin for the uh, for Green Bay. Who is? No, he he will be the primary guy, which means he's not going to get the the looks in the end zone because the defense is going to be focused on. Oh my Got god, it. my voice cracked. He will no, not be receiving eight touchdowns oh. for the Packers because he will be a main focus for the defenses. Gotcha. That makes sense. So. Therese, you know, that was a great, a great tricky question there from you, a great tricky Therese question. But I think that pretty much wraps up what we have today for you guys. So, you know, be sure to check us out on Twitter. If you got any questions, don't be afraid to DM or just ask us. You know, we're more than happy to answer any questions that you guys might have for us. We do have apparel. So if you are wearing the T-shirt, let us know as well. Of course, you can find us all on Twitter individually. And then again, thank you for hanging out with us and talking football. 